या देवी सर्वभूतेशु मातृरूपेण संस्थिता नमस्तस्य 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 नमो नमः I bow to the mother in all of you the mother who is everywhere the mother who is your own true mother when Swami Shankaracharya said bad sons there are many but never a bad mother he was not speaking of human mothers there are many bad human mothers but there is never a bad divine mother she is your true lover your true mother for all eternity love that one i personally i would like to see the worship of the divine mother more prevalent because what people need more than anything else is love that love which the mother gives more than any other kind of human relationship from conversations with yogananda i would like to read saying number 306 i seem to remember that it was the same guest the one that we were talking about earlier um in which yogananda was explaining why he taught christianity and hinduism and through them was teaching the oneness of all religions so um it was the same guest i have his question of the master's answer in my notebook but i have no other way of identifying him who asked the master the following question i understand you have two classes of students those who live in the world and those who live in the monastery as renunciates Which of these two ways you consider the better and why? Good, better and best, the master replied, are determined by the depth of one's love for God. Outside of divine devotion, nothing else matters. If one is in a position to leave everything and live only for God, why not do so outwardly also? Whether married or single, the important thing is to love him deeply. the monastic life for those who have the pure desire to live only for god it is for those who have only the desire to live only for god and also and for those also who are free of social entanglements you know it's interesting that many of my guru's most advanced disciples were married so it isn't that he really made a distinction between the two it was that certainly yes he wanted people who were completely devoted he found that too often that uh, when people were married they always considered what their wife or husband would think and they were not as free to think what does god wants but you know i've noticed for example in our communities of the ananda sangha we have about 1000 members most of them are householders many have children many are married without children but i have noticed that even that quality their devotees first and they will do what god wants before what husband or wife wants this is very admirable and it's the way it should be god is your true mother god is your true father he is your true beloved and friend and uh, so what yogananda really was looking for was that kind of absolute love for god well as i said many of his most advanced disciples were in fact um householders they were married sometimes their husbands or wives were not with them on the path but they were doing their duty they had already been married by the time they came to him and the spouse did not object and therefore they stayed loyal 
the time to leave your wife or your husband is if you're married to somebody who's foolish or tries to obstruct your spiritual development. One time, an interesting one, my guru was, it was predicted for him in his horoscope even that he would marry three times, being twice a widower. And the third time, the girl was a very beautiful girl, and he he heard the voice of Satan saying to him, she's very beautiful, why don't you marry her? And he, um, of course, he had already given his life completely to God, and he just opened up his spiritual eye. He said, nobody is beautiful under the skin when you're seeing all those veins and organs and so on. You don't see beauty. But uh, he said, um, Divine Mother, I want only you. And anyway, he then um, recommended to a cousin of his that he marry the girl. And that cousin was very pleased to marry this girl. But uh, some years later, my guru went to America, then he came back to India, and he saw this cousin of his tiptoeing around the house like a, a mouse. And his wife was sort of ruling because of her nagging. My guru said to her then, he said, listen, you were supposed to be for me, so I have some right to speak to you. He said, if you had treated me the way you're treating him, one week is all I'd have given this marriage and I'd have been off to the Himalayas. He didn't believe in a marriage that was going to take you away from what you're looking for. But if you are uh, a true husband or a true wife, then you have to be supportive to the other one's highest ideals. Don't think in terms just of your own convenience. But in that, he had a number of very good married disciples. Sometimes, as I said, their wife or their husband were not on the path, but at least they respected it. That's enough. But there should be that. Otherwise, if you find there isn't respect, it's just foolishness and worldliness, then that's not marriage. Marriages like that are not made in heaven. That's the time to leave it. So, the reality is that we must love God above everything else. And he said he met a saint one time who asked him when he was a young man, he said, are you married? And my guru said, no. The saint said, well, you're, you're on the safe side. Better stay that way. Then he said, I myself am married to a very materialistic woman, but I fooled her. She doesn't know where I am because he was in samadhi and he could just go into, into the inner silence, and she couldn't follow him there. But uh, if you can do that, wonderful. If you can't, then, uh, well, you have to tough it out in your own way. But remember that it isn't how your outward body lives. There are plenty of monks who think in terms of the world all the time. Many monks can't get over a desire for, for marriage, family, children. But how your heart is, that is what counts. If in your heart you love God, if in your heart you know that you want Him, that's the test of a true devotee. Of course my guru wanted people who would give their lives to God only. When they were married, they had to have jobs usually. Now that we've created householder communities, that's not, not, no longer the case. But uh, he wanted workers too. He had a work to spread. The thing is that if you can live for God, if everything that you do is for Him, remember, whoever you're married to is secondary to your true duty, which is to the Divine and to the Divine Mother in your own self.
that Divine Mother has been seeking us for so many incarnations. How many years, so proud of our wisdom, turning from God, we've wandered alone, thinking we knew it all. Now our souls understand. Let us call him, let us call the Divine Mother. There's a song that I've written, Mother of Wisdom, which the singers will sing to you. Mother of wisdom, mercy and grace, grant us thy wisdom, grant us thy peace. Learn that behind all human relations, that one is always smiling at you, always trying to help you, always trying to lead you on the path to your own fulfillment. And sometimes, because a mother can scold sometimes, don't be unhappy with her scoldings. Be grateful for them. Listen, if you've got a fault that you need to overcome in yourself, then should you not be grateful that she is helping you to see you herself as you really are? If other people give you a hard time because of this, be grateful. In this way you can see, in this way you can understand what you need to develop in yourself. Don't worry. If people treat you the way they treat you, it's your karma. Don't complain at the way the world is toward you. Don't complain at anything that happens in your life. It's all for your good if you accept it as coming from God. In this way, God gives you joy. God gives you suffering. God gives you fulfillment. God gives you, gives you failure. It doesn't matter. Be happy with either one. I have seen that with this attitude that somehow everything comes out for the best. I've mentioned before, years ago, it was really in the first two years of our existence, our temple at our Ananda community burned to the ground. And I remember going into a shop that day, and the housekeeper, I mean the shopkeeper, said to me, I was singing a song, and she said, you're singing. I said, well, I've lost a temple, I haven't lost my voice. And she said, oh my goodness, she was French. She said, when I, my house burned down, six months, nothing but weeping. Well, I think, why waste six months weeping? You're going to be all right eventually anyway. Why not just figure, all right, so it's over. Start all over again. Why take time? Sooner or later, you're going to have to, no matter what test you go through, you're going to finally come out of it. You may commit suicide. You may go through lifetimes of suffering because of the sin of killing yourself. You may go through so many ups and downs sooner or later you're going to come out of it. You can't do otherwise. There's no suffering can last forever. I've often thought of somebody who, let's say, at the age of 16, he joins a gang in some slum and gets killed after killing somebody else. And so he goes to the wrong place after death. Okay. We certainly have to suffer for whatever we've done wrong, and it may mean that. But now let's just think of it this way. Two million years later, there he is in this supposedly eternal hell. This is the way many religions teach. There he is, and somebody says, well, what are you here for? And he says, well, I, don't know. I, I can't really remember. Good heavens, I mean, what you've done in the past, you're not going to remember everything. You don't remember the mistakes you made when you were a child. God doesn't have, hold it against you for anything that you've done.
You could be the worst sinner. He still sees you as his own self. He loves you as his own self. Don't ever believe that he takes away his love from you. You take it away from yourself. You take it away from him. You don't think that you are worthy of it. And yet there's something inside us that can never somehow get away from that realization that we are a part of him. You know, Dillinger, he used to be back in the 20s or 30s, the public enemy number one in America. He had murdered I don't know how many people. And he was finally killed in a shootout with the police or the FBI. They discovered a note by his body saying, I have been much misunderstood. Inside this body there really beats a very loving heart. And it's strange that somebody who was that vicious could think of himself as having a loving heart. And yet I don't think that anybody, the worst mafioso, the worst tuggy, the worst criminal, the worst dacoit, I don't think that they can really believe that they're wholly bad. They'll always say, well, yeah, I did a few wrong things, but... Uh, um basically I know I'm 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 good. I, I want good. I think that's the norm. There was a story, because karma is ultimately at Supreme, there's this one dacoit who when he became old he thought, Well, I want to die in Benares because I know that dying in Benares will mean that I will have liberation. And so he moved to Benares and cut off his legs so that he would not be able to ride a horse or even leave the precincts of Benares between the Varuna and the Asi. One day, some years later, he saw somebody on a horse, and he was riding very badly, and he said, Oh, you, ride, you think yourself a horseback rider? Without my legs I could ride better than you. And so he insisted that somebody lift him up on this horse, and the horse took off, ran off, and threw him, just outside the precincts of Benares. Well, you see, it wasn't his karma. There are different stories. I think many of them are valid, because it's true that you can't get away from anything. You can't get away with anything. Sooner or later, your karma will catch up with you. And if in this life, in some other life, it doesn't matter. Sooner or later, you will. Never let yourself think, oh, God is being so mean to me. Just be grateful to God. Say, God, what, what lesson have I got to learn from this? Divine Mother, what are you wanting to teach me through, this, through this, this terrible experience? It would be good, in fact, and this is a very good meditation to have in your, in your, in your mind, to imagine the worst thing that could possibly befall you, the, wor the thing you fear the most of all. It won't take forever. That woman, after... Six months became okay when I knew her. She was happy again. Don't think that this world is going to always cause you suffering. It will pass. This too shall pass. But rather, remember that whatever things come to you now, whatever pain, whatever suffering, it's temporary, but it's there for a lesson. Don't get angry with God. You're just... You're just getting more bad karma when you do, and you're being absolutely foolish in doing that. But rather say, God, whatever you want to teach me, I'm grateful for. You'll be amazed that when you can reach that point, you don't have to go through that test again. You've learned your lesson. 
The path of life is not to give you happiness in this world. It is to teach you what this world is all about and what this life in this world is all about. You were made for Him. You were made for the Divine Mother. And Mother, in her wisdom, will teach you all if you're open. Otherwise, she will, unfortunately, she will give you hard lessons until finally you say, Oh, Mother, all right, I will reform. You are a child of the Mother. Accept that she does love you, even through the pain she gives you. And you'll see the pains then just vanish. They don't have any reality. In the end, that Mother of Wisdom will smile upon you and take her on your lap and make her your own. Kole thule me makali kaver kole nishna pele Take me on thy lap, O Mother. Cast me not at death's door. Joy to you. Mother of wisdom, mercy and grace, grant us thy vision, grant us thy peace. Our love receive So